There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Talkin' Titans. I'm uh, Gentry Esta, sports columnist for the Tennessean, alongside... Eric Backrack, Titans beat writer for the Tennessean. And, as the title would imply, we're going to be talking some Titans here. This is the, uh, I guess you would say, the special midpoint edition of Talking Titans. Mm-hmm. We've got several categories we're going to go over. We're going to have your uh, who, who we believe is MVP, offensive and defensive, play of the year, breakout performer, over and under, underachiever, and Eric and I both are going to make some predictions for the second half of the season. So, Eric, uh, four and four. Right. This is a team still in the the thick of the race, in the both in the AFC South and maybe in the, in the playoff picture in the AFC. It hasn't been great, and it hasn't been very consistent week to week. It's been weird, you know. But right now, it's they're still relevant in the playoff picture. So would you view this so far as, as a success or, or not? Uh, I, I think it's hard to call it a success when you've already benched your quarterback. Um, you know, the offense is, is headed in a, I guess, positive direction just by virtue of the fact that they put themselves in a spot where they could only go up. Um, you know, so I think – I think there's reason for caution, cautious optimism there with Ryan Tannehill under center. I think you you have to feel great about the defense. Um, you feel great about Jeffrey Simmons coming back. Um, you know that was certainly. I, I think from what we saw during training camp in the preseason, we we expected him back at some point. Um, but uh, you know, I think this exceeded most most expectations. So I, I think there's reason for optimism, but to to call it just you know a flat out success, I think would be um, just a little misleading for sort of how weird a path it's been to four and four. Here's my th- my th- thinking on this. The last, I do think Ryan Tannehill has been good for mm-hmm. the, for this team, and and that's been clear by the results the last couple of weeks. But something that's uh, just the last couple of weeks, I've kind of turned on it a little bit, in my opinion, of this team. And I, I'm, I, I've, I've kind of been thinking about it to try to figure out why. Because mm-hmm. they, they, they won. They made plays down the stretch that they needed to make to win. They beat a couple of middling teams in the Chargers and the Bucks, But they could have lost both those games, and they didn't. They're right. proving, if nothing else, to be clutch. I, I think what gets me is, if you're preparing to play the Titans and you're scouting this team, who scares you? Is there a player on either side of the ball that you look at and go, God, you know, we can't let that guy beat us? I'm not sure there is. And there certainly isn't an area of the team or a certain thing they do well that scares you. The defense, as good as they've been, is good at bending but not breaking, so to speak. They're right. not a dominant group who's going to get a, you know, take over a game. Now, the Titans, if you're that other team, Titans may beat you because they might make fewer mistakes than you. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing they do that truly scares you. And teams like that have a hard time winning in the NFL. I agree. I think I think that's the thing with Simmons is that early on through the first two games that we've seen him, he's he's shown that sort of promise that he could become that type of guy. And for how good Jarrell Casey is, he's, I mean, he's a four-time pro bowler. He just doesn't sort of have that... Um, you know that that swagger about him that he could really disrupt a game on his own. I think Simmons does carry that with him, um, and I agree for for how good this Titans defense is. I mean, it's it's top five in the league in, in holding uh, opponents off the board, which is at the end of the day, you know, their job. Uh, there there aren't a ton of names back there that scare you. I think Kevin Byard is still a guy that flies under the radar nationally. Um, 
which which shouldn't be the case, but is. Uh, so I, I I agree, especially uh, on offense. I, I think that's certainly the case. Um, you know, Derrick Henry is is you know has begun since uh, the end of last year to sort of you know garner more respect. But uh, you know, again, he's a guy that like the rest of the Titans offensively, you know, doesn't doesn't scare you. So I I think that's a, a you know a good point. Yeah, they just don't do enough to impact a game in a positive way it's almost like they're too reliant on the flow of the game or what the other team does they can't impose their will on a game or in a, on an opponent enough i think to to and i think that's one of the reasons they're unpredictable mm-hmm. um because a lot of what happens to them has to do with with factors beyond what they're able to you do you rely on turnovers they, you right. rely on winston screwing up which he did um, and to the Titans' credit, they've been opportunistic that, you know, they deserve some credit there. But that's, uh, you know, a hard thing to bank on from week to week, you know, just sort of those opportunities being there. I mean, they were set up twice um, inside the 10-yard line to start the game last week against the Bucks, uh, And then they were losing, you know, not long after that. So uh, I, I think the in- inconsistencies and, and just sort of banking on on what they've been banking on is is hard to maintain you know, if you want to be a, a playoff caliber team in this league. the Just the tone around everything. This team's won two games in a row. Mm-hmm. And just the tone around everything from, from Mike Rabel's post-game press conference on Sunday to, to what you see on social media and just the general response in the, in the local media just seems so negative. It's, it's kind of just wacky, like, for a team in, in the middle of a two-game winning streak for this sort of just to be the, the tone and – um, you know, the feel around the team. And, and you kind of just mentioned it uh, a little while ago while we were off the air, how how lucky the Titans have gotten the past two weeks. I think that has to do with... The, uh, they, the, they could just as well be two and six. I mean, the way the Chargers game ended, uh, I don't think anybody's ever seen three reversals, you know, inside the last uh, minute or two. You're relying uh, on a fumble at the one-inch line. Right. I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. And then they, they actually should have lost the game against the Bucks because... Uh, the, the play call, um, you know, the fake field goal in which Brett Kern tries to run for a first down. He actually did fumble that ball, uh, and the Bucks probably, you know, was, was blown dead. Uh, so we, I guess we will never really know, but it, it looked very much like the Bucks would have gotten a touchdown there and, um, you know, escaped with, with a win. And, uh, you know, just how drastically the conversation and, and even for how, uh, I don't know if bleak's the right word, but just, um, you know, not upbeat the tone is right now. Imagine what it would be, you know, if that decision led um, uh, to, a you know, to a, a, a result uh, that, that played out like that. So um, I think the Titans are fortunate. I think they have reasons for optimism, but um, at the same time, they've, they've got to be, uh, you know, counting their lucky stars that they are where they are. All right, that's a good segue. We're going to now get into... I guess you'd say, we're, Eric, we're handing out some midseason awards here. Mm-hmm. Um, this was – there'll be different categories here, but I think it's a good segue talking about the fake punt because uh, um, Mike Vrabel has is, is caught all kinds of heat right. most of the season, quite frankly, for a lot of his fourth down decisions. This one seemed worse than most. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm just going to say I, I didn't hate going for it in that situation – Hated the call. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get. Why? Why in the world would you want your all NFL punter taking a hit like that? There's nothing good that can happen, and he's running from about eight yards behind the line of scrimmage. Right. Yeah, I didn't like that call. 
If you line up the defense, give it to Derrick Henry, do something. But sure. I, um, but again, it just it has seemed like every week there's something. There's something that that is questionable. Is the the best way to put it. Whether you like it or not, it's it's a head scratcher. I think that one is certainly up there and and has a strong case for is that being the worst to say because we're gonna, being, we're, we're giving them our best worst decisions. Yeah, you know, for th- the, of the first <laughs> half of the season. I think that's the best worst. I think a strong contender is the decision to. Um, not kick the field goal in Atlanta. That to me, at the time, I was I just I couldn't make sense of it, and and that's one that Mike Vrabel even the next day came back and said, you know what, if I could do it again, I would have done things differently. Um, and uh, so that's your worst of the first half was the the. I think so. I, I mean, I think the the play call itself this past week was was truly awful. Um, but I think I don't know. I just I in the moment um, I remember thinking in Atlanta what what on earth is he doing you know the, you're trying to win the game just go for a field goal at the time the Titans were up um I believe it was 14 points in the fourth quarter early in the fourth quarter a field goal puts you up by 17 uh three scores you know the, the Falcons might not even have three possessions left it just seemed like going for the win was going for the field goal it, it, to me that just seemed like such a basic uh decision uh just a straightforward call uh, and I, I just, I didn't get the sense in that. So that, that to me, I might have a tough time figuring out which I, I might say the, the Brett Kern because you, you almost kill your MVP. Uh, Again, like going for it, it, hate the call. Right. Um, I think the the fifty three yard field goal with Kyra Santos on a That's day a good you'd already too. missed. Three. It's a good bad one too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but for for my best worst, I'm going to go outside the box a little bit. Mm-hmm. For me, the worst decision for the first half of the season was starting Marcus Mariota as your quarterback and not having any kind of competition before the first game. Interesting. I mean, really, that w- there never really was a serious competition, correct, in the preseason? There wasn't. No, that was that was something that was for sure pushed by by national media, but you know, anybody you talk to at the Titans team facility, uh, it wasn't a competition. Ryan Tannehill was brought in to be Marcus Mariota's backup. He was a safety net in case he got hurt, or you know, if if things transpired as they did with him struggling mightily, but there was no competition in training camp in the preseason or, or before the season started. And I think the best decision of the season was benching Mariota in Denver and then that letting was, Tannehill be the starter the next week. That was mine as well, um, because we, I mean, we've seen how the offense. Has moved with with Ryan Tannehill under center. Still hasn't been completely yes, smooth you know, by any means. Anyone out there? Prove me wrong. They're two right. and zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tannehill has clearly outperformed Mariota. He's I don't thrown think five touchdown passes. Uh, you know, Corey Davis said it after uh, that Week Seven win. Just that there was a different. I think the phrase he used was different aura about the offense with Ryan Tannehill under center, and it certainly felt like that. Um, it just felt every time you trotted Marcus Mariota out there that it was a hopeless cause. And with Ryan Tannehill, that isn't the case. Again, there's there's still a lot of problems with this offense, but they're executing inside the red zone, which is big. They're six for six inside the 20. Um, that's huge. And, and there is reason for optimism with, with Ryan Tannehill there. All right. Offensive MVP, defensive MVP. Offensive MVP is a, is a doozy because it's, it hasn't been, hasn't been pretty uh, all season. I still think it, it probably has to be Derrick Henry. I agree. It's because he's he's the guy that's been consistent. Like I said, if anyone if you look at them and anyone scares you, he scares you. He's, he's the one guy. Um, you know, I, I certainly don't think it's – it can't be anyone on the offensive line, isn't a receiver, uh, isn't Tannehill yet. It's, it's got to be Derrick Henry. Defense is tough too, though. It is. 
They've had some. Uh, they've had some impact guys at different levels of that defense in each game, right? Um, I think you mentioned Byard. I think it would probably have to be him. Yeah. But I, there, there are a few though. They're, they're good in the middle of the defense. Rashawn Evans, if you look, is getting something like 10, 11, 12 tackles every game. Right. He's he's a really productive guy, and he stepped up when Brown was out for a cup for I guess a game and a half or two games. Right. He was Wesley Woodyard played well too, but mm-hmm. Rashawn Evans is a guy that's kind of holding that together. He very quietly has become a really important member of that defense. He he has been, and and honestly, the Titans needed that. You know, him being a first round pick a year ago, um, that was kind of the expectation, and he's filled and he was out more nicely. of an edge guy too. And they're putting him in the middle and making him a thumper, and he's done well. He's done well. Um, I think he's been a really important piece for them. I I would probably agree. I think it's got to be Byard. Uh, I'm pretty sure he still leads the league in interceptions since the beginning of the 2017 season. He's got three this year. Um, you know, I think Logan Ryan is is an honorable mention type player. I think um, Kenny Vaccaro's played well. Vaccaro's played well. Howard Landry has five sacks, a very quiet five sacks, but, you know, uh, halfway through the season, he's halfway to he's double digits. Sure, yeah, he's, he's had his moments. I think he's doing well. I think another guy that certainly doesn't have the stats to – back up what he's done but Daquan Jones is a guy that has been really sort of disruptive and and you know just his presence has sort of opened things up for guys like Jayon Brown Rashawn Evans to um you know get double digit tackles just the fact that you've got a uh at times double team a guy like Daquan Jones um on the front of the the defensive front so uh, I think there's there's a lot of um good names in, in that group it's it's a much tougher call than the offense for sure but I think if you had to pick one guy uh, it's Kevin Byard, certainly for what he does on the field. But again, he's just such a vocal guy and um, really the glue of that unit. Um, and I think he's probably got to be the MVP there. He's a good leader on that team too. They're, yeah, he's, he's great. He is what you want out of the guy that they have kind of they had kind of earmarked as a as a guy to build around moving forward and, and made him the, the richest way. at his position uh, this past off season and. Um, I mean, Gentry, you've, you've been here a year now, but or not a year, but this is your first season. You can attest to the fact that he's a guy that reporters go to every single day in the locker room, and every single day, uh, you know, it's it's the same attitude, and that's just a total willingness and, to engage in a thoughtful, uh, insightful conversation. Uh, my only gripe would be is that he, he kind of talks at like a mile a minute pace, and transcribing is a little bit difficult, but <laughs> it's all good stuff. So at the end the of the day, the whole secondary is like that, really. To yeah, be yeah. So there's some good guys in there. You, you see why they're, they're as good as they are. As there's well there's a they, legitimate cohesion there. Yes. All right. Overall MVP. I, I mean, I think it it if it's not <laughs> well, okay. I'll I'm gonna say if it's not Kevin Byard, you know, who's leading this defense, it's got to be the guy that Mike Rabel almost got killed this past week. Brett Kern, best guy on the team. Yep. I mean, I, and I'm, it's just true. It's true. Uh, he is. They probably have the best punter in the NFL. Yeah, and that's when you play the way they play. Mm-hmm. That you need makes that. him the most valuable guy on the team, right? It's it's you know you, you can't overstate how big it is that he's leading the league and punts placed inside the twenty. You know just how regularly and consistently he flips the field, gives you the uh, you know field field position advantage. Um, it's just such a, like you said, it's an important part. It's a hugely important part of, of what they do. And, and, um, you know, so much of their success is predicated on it. He has to be the MVP. If they'd gotten him hurt on that fake. Yeah, I know. I know. It almost happened too. He took a shot. Yeah. I love, you don't want your punter. I love Taylor Lewan's reaction. He was just like, uh, I thought he was dead for a second there. Mm. 
All right, well, moving on. Let's let's go with um, who. What do you view? Let's say player or topic or position group or whatever. It's been the most underachieving aspect of this team and the most overachieving aspect of this team first half of the season. It's a good question. I, I guess overachieving would probably have to be uh, something on the defensive side. I mean, it could, it could very well be Jeffrey Simmons. Um, you know, just sort of. I think we'll get to him in a minute. We will. We've got another category on our predictions. What would you for say for second. overachieving? Yeah. For overachieving, um, hmm. You know, Derrick Henry's had a good first half of the year. He has. I think he set the bar high last December, but you, I guess you weren't sure if he was going to keep that up. I, I, I still think it's, you know, I, I wouldn't call it overachieving. I, I would say meeting expectations pleasantly for, for Derrick Henry. Um, I might say Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, you know, I never understood coming in here for this season. And like say, I say, I, I, a couple months in the job, although I've been covering him this season, I always thought Ryan Tannehill was a pretty good quarterback. I thought he was hurt a lot in Miami, and you never really saw what he could do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, when, when he was added to this roster with Mariota, that was not a situation I looked at and said, oh, Mariota's clearly better. If, right. any, if anything, I truly believe Tannehill was better. And or at least it was a heck of a lot closer than you would have thought being around this team for the first few weeks of the season. And so I'm not going to say overachieving, but I think somewhere in there he got labeled as a failure as an NFL starter, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that ever really was the case. I don't. He he didn't have he he was banged up a lot. The talent around him was always suspect. Yeah, he's in Miami, right. and and he was he got hurt a lot. Some pretty serious injuries along the way. Right. At, at worst, I think he was where Mariota was, because Mariota's similar, really. Mm-hmm. And so somewhere along the way, yeah, he got labeled as a guy who who was not a legitimate, not one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the NFL, and I didn't really agree with that, and I still don't. Um, so if you want to call that overachieving. Sure. I think I think another name that, that we mentioned again off the other, I just remember John New Smith is a guy that, that's come on late. Um, that's a good one. You know, Delaney Walker, uh, we'll see how he holds up the rest of the season. Uh, you know, the tricky thing with him is that his ankle injury that he, he's currently dealing with uh, is related to, to the season-ender, uh, season-ending ankle injury he had last year. So you don't know how much that's going to linger. Um, and he's he's a big part of their offense, Delaney Walker. So to have Johnny Smith step up the way he has the past couple weeks, um, you know, he's a guy that last year – uh, toward the end of, of or the middle of the season before Smith had a, a season-ending injury of his own. He was kind of coming on late, showing signs of, of what he could be. Uh, you know, it took a little bit for him to get going last season, but, um, you know, a, a similar situation this year where Delaney Walker uh, is out. Uh, Johnny Smith has an opportunity, and in, in the past couple of weeks, he's, he's really taken advantage um, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, I could certainly see continuing to do so the rest of the way. I think he's a guy that, uh, the Titans can rely on. And, uh, I, I guess that constitutes overachieving. He's a guy, you know, that, that was their third round pick not that long ago. Uh, you know, so to me, he's, he's someone you can, you can count on. And, uh, you know, everybody seems so sure that, uh, Delaney is going to be the starter when he's healthy again. I'm not, yeah, he's, he might not be the best guy on the team. This, the John is pretty good and he's, which, he's getting better quickly and he's athletic. He's helping in the game. He, he's a little, he's got receiver skills mm-hmm. and he's, he's able to, that, that catch he made for the first touchdown against the, it's Tampa was 
That was a pretty serious NFL catch. Tannehill said it himself that it was it was a bad throw. I think he said it was a horrible throw. They were and, right behind him. And right. Said, yeah. And Smith adjusted and he made the catch. So, um, you know, I, I think I agree. And listen, Delaney Walker is 35 years old, coming off a season-ending injury, and, and, and that was sort and, of— and To say that's not a knock on Delaney. Everybody understands what he's done for this organization. He's been but. huge. He's been the staple of this offense for a long time. Um, but it, it, it does— Seem like everything's point, kind of catching up to him, and and yeah. you know he's uh, his his stock is falling. Janus is rising. Yep. As far as is underachieving, I you know I've I've bashed Mariota pretty good already on this podcast, so I'm going to say underachieving is the receivers and include Deion Lewis on that because he's more of a receiver sure. than a running back anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I the the receivers. Uh, when given a chance, okay, when Tannehill came in in his first start, he gave them a chance down the field, and you saw for the first time all season, quite honestly, mm-hmm. what could ha- what happens when, when you can do that and these guys are able to make plays. So everybody starts getting excited. Oh, you know, Corey Davis had a good game. A.J. Brown, look at what he's doing. Next game, nothing. Right. And, and against statistically the worst passing defense in the NFL. It was the 32nd ranked pass, passing defense. There's no uh, – th- 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 to me, that isn't – anything other than the lack of ability to do it mm-hmm. and i you know maybe i and i don't understand some of the situations here i don't understand why aj brown isn't playing more mm-hmm. when he really could be your number one guy uh i don't understand i've never understood why Dion lewis is out on the field as much as he is when you have derrick henry um i'm scared to throw it to derrick henry still i don't know why that is but to me the the, the the struggles in the passing game, yeah, clearly. Mario had a lot to do with it. The pass protection, we hadn't even mentioned that. That would be – I was going to go there for, for my underachieving, although it's it's really a take-your-pick as far as who you want to go with on the offensive side. O-line's fair there too, though. It is. I, I think, you know, everybody everybody in that group is is guilty to, to varying degrees. I still think, you know, Roger Saffold has played a little bit better since Tannehill has been under center, but he's – again, he's a guy that was billed as the top – guard on, on the market this past offseason so the titans bring him in you know is sort of an answer to what was a really big liability arguably the biggest on their team last year which was the interior of the offensive line and i believe to this point uh and i'm going off of pro football focuses numbers but they credit saffold with allowing six sacks this year which is tied for second in the league um uh second most uh among all nfl guards so he's a guy that you know, you, you were banking on to to really shore up that interior of the offensive line, and, and not lo- only has he done that, but he's been, you know, somebody that um, you know hasn't even been you know middle of the road so far. So uh, I, I think he's certainly underachieved. Um, you know, but but I, I do think that the blame is spread throughout that offensive line as far as the pass protection goes. All right, um, moving on. Let's uh, let's go over what. We think are the uh, the plays of the year. What what out of eight games? What stands out to you as the most significant? The goal line stands, you know, have to be up there. Wesley Woodyard um, causing that that fumble on Melvin Gordon, Jarrell Casey uh, falling on the football. Uh, you know, because again, that was a situation where you thought uh, it was going to, at the very minimum, going to overtime. If not, the Chargers were we're going to win. They were down three points right at the goal line. Um, and, and the Titans defense held up really well. You know, I think if, if you had asked me before that, I, I might've said AJ Brown's 
uh, one of his, his long touchdown catches just because um, I think both both were pretty significant as far as their timing uh, in, in each of their respective games, but also because you, you kind of saw the potential there and, and sort of got reason to be excited about a Titans wide receiver that they drafted. So, you know, I, I think those are somewhere in the top five or top 10, but I think to me, the, the biggest one is that goal line stand because, uh, you know, at the time three and four versus two and five is just a world of a difference. Uh, and, you know, the Titans defense really made it happen. They, they, you know, were lucky to, uh, for it to sort of to have played out the way it did with, with the ball coming loose inside the end zone, Jarrell Casey falling on it. Um, but you know, so much credit has to go to that, that effort by the defensive line. Jeffrey Simmons was, was right there too, causing disruption, uh, to make that possible. I, I agree with, with that. It's hard to argue against that as the most impactful plays of the season. I'll, I'll mention Derrick Henry's 75 yard sure. screen pass against Cleveland in the first week. That was a, that was quite the highlight, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, Eric, but I believe that's still their longest play from scrimmage and offensively. Yeah, I, so I don't, believe so, I don't yeah. know of any that was more than that. Yeah, Brown's uh, catches where I think were 50, 50 plus 50 ish. yards, yeah. but, but not much more than that, yeah. All right, well, um, let's kind of steer it ahead here. Who mm-hmm. do you think are the uh, – let's talk about who we think the breakout performers are. Offense, defense, and full disclosure here, we tried this w- with our podcast a couple of weeks ago. We had some technical glitches, so you never actually heard that podcast. <laughs> but we had the we, we were discussing breakout performers, and Eric can vouch for this. This was before we went to Denver, too. I said Ryan Tannehill. I said it jokingly, but I said it. You did say it. I, I can vouch, and uh, I just had to. I had to say it. Can't say it now, but you, you did say it before <laughs> all of this happened. Uh, so there's that. I think, and I think we talked about this again um, off the air. Uh, the obvious guy here is is Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, no doubt. And it's funny because you know Mike Rabel uh, was asked about him uh, last week, uh, and kind of just his reaction to the way that Simmons has come back. You know, he had surgery in February on his ACL. Eight months later, he's at Titans practice, uh, and he, he practices for a week, and then he comes back in a game, and he uh, has a sack, has four tackles, has two tackles for a loss, and uh, played a really big part in that defensive stand that we just goal line stand that we just talked about. Uh, so here's what Mike Vrabel uh, sort of had to say about Jeffrey Simmons's return. God sprinkle a little extra dust on Jeff. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. You know, it's genetics. It plays a large part in your makeup your size how you recover from injury your durability so that's just kind of figured that going in that it was going to probably be a little shorter than a little longer so you guys had a tough if you were betting you'd probably bet the under so god apparently sprinkled a little bit of dust extra dust on jeffrey simmons uh gentry do you think that's that's fair to say i don't know if i've ever seen more hype for a defensive lineman's first NFL game, mm-hmm. and and maybe rightfully so, when you go back and look at what he was able to do in that game against the Chargers, it was it's pretty eye opening. I mean, you saw it right away too. It, there was no, I mean, he was pushing guys into the backfield. You could clearly see it. He was making impact plays right off the bat. You don't see guys in their very first NFL action do those kind of things. And, and and not even that, it's just that, again, it's his first NFL game, sure, but he's coming off one week of practice, eight months after ACL surgery. All, all of that together uh, is just pretty remarkable, pretty incredible. And, 
you know, I, I think it speaks to how much farther further he can yeah, develop think and grow. Of the upside with that, yeah, that's amazing. If this is if this is just the beginning, you know, where where else is it going to go? And again, you pair him next to Jarrell Casey on that defensive line, uh, a four-time Pro Bowler, and I think that could really be the foundation for for something special on defense. Uh, their draft class does look a lot different if he ends up being what he's hinted at already. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to tip your hat uh, to John Robinson for for making what was a controversial pick for a lot of legitimate reasons. Still uh, needed offense. I'm, still I'm needed sorry, offense. But, uh, it's, you thought it at the time. How could you not think it at the time? <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I move, but, but I do, if you get that guy, if you get Aaron Donald in the first round, yeah, yeah. you get At him. 19th overall. Yeah. So, and I think, you know, obviously he fell because of the injury and some of the other stuff. And, right. And I, that, that makes sense. I'm thinking about a breakout performer on offense. Uh, John o. Smith was a good one. We've talked about him right. already. I, I think he he's positioning himself for a good second half of the year. I think AJ Brown is mm-hmm. going to end up doing more than he's done already. He clearly has shown he has the ability to to be an impactful player. Um, I just don't know if the offense can do that for him week to week, but, but we'll, we'll see. I, I think, and, and um, another guy's Adam Humphreys, who I think. You, you kind of go into each week going, you know, gosh, he could have a good game, and it just right. very very rarely happens. Uh-huh. They've yet to get him involved the way they probably hoped. That's a guy who – The way they paid him for. Yeah, and that's a guy who – another one who has not matched the production that I think most would have expected coming in playing the slot for this team. Sure, and, and again, you know, he's, he's a guy that seems perfectly suited for, for what this team likes to do. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think it goes back to – sort of the collective problems as the off you know of, of the offense as a whole as far as why he hasn't been getting in, involved as much I just think it's uh, you know such a, a complicated and crisscrossing mess you know across the offense from the play calling from the offensive line to the receivers struggling to the quarterback play that all of it has sort of lent to guys underachieving all over the place but I think it goes back we talk about Simmons I, I think they need more of those guys. Yep. They need more of those guys that when you think about the Titans, you think about that guy. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what the NFL is all about, is guys who can stand out and change a game with their ability. Because they're all good. Mm-hmm. They're all good. They're all schemed up like crazy with every, all the X's and O's are, 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 are maxed out for everybody. You need a guy who has the ability, who can do things others can't do. Mm-hmm. That rare ability. And they, I think they actually do have that with Jeffrey. So from what I've seen, that's – he, he's been pretty good, and you know maybe AJ Brown could start trying to be that guy offensively, and right. you know that, that kind of ties in. Last thing we're going to go over, we're not necessarily going to give predictions for the rest of the season. This is a four and fourteen. There's still so much out there. But, but Eric, what, let's let's talk reasons why you would be optimistic this team could still do something, and why you think they couldn't. I think I think all of that, the conversation, all of that, sort of is on the offensive side because. I really think with the defense, uh, there's only reasons to be optimistic um, with the way they've played, with Simmons coming back, with some of the guys guys that we've mentioned as far as MVPs and, and you know, just how that that's an actual conversation that, um, you know, a lot of guys have a strong case for. I think when you look at the offense, there is reason for optimism just by virtue of, of what they've done the past couple of games with Ryan Tannehill under center, the, the offense is shown signs of life, shown signs of uh, just being a functional NFL offense, which it didn't look like uh, in week six before Mariota was benched. Uh, so I, I think there's promise there. I think there's reason 
um, for cautious optimism with this offense. And, and again, I think Ryan Tannehill could very well be surrounded by the most talent he, he has been um, in his career. I mean, I would have to go back and, and look at... It's a low bar. Yeah, it's, it's a very low bar with what he's coming from in, in, in Miami. So, you know, he's got that uh, going for him. But the reasons for, for pessimism would be the play calling and Arthur Smith. And if, you know, he can maybe um, just do a better job of, of uh, situationally finding... Uh, I, I guess just more opportunities for for what his offense is capable of. You know, I, I think um, the offensive line is another area where you know it, it's it's only allowed two point five sacks per game over the past couple games with Ryan Tannehill under center. But I don't think by any means all of those issues are are uh, you know even close to being over. I think that's going to be something that going forward is going to be interesting to monitor with you know Tannehill versus Mariota who. You know, I do think Mariota was guilty in at least a few of those sacks that, uh, you know, were allowed uh, while he was under center. So I, I, I do think there's there's reasons for optimism. There's reasons for pessimism. Um, and again, week to week, it's it's hard to just sort of predict what we're going to get offensively from the Titans. From from the defense, by now we we have a pretty good idea. Um, they've only allowed uh, one opponent. And that was this past week, the Bucks to score more than twenty points a game. Um, uh, or, you know, uh, hit 20 points. So we know from week to week what they're going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it, all the questions really are, are on the offensive side. I'm a little bit of a hot take here. Here's, here's my thoughts kind of on where the Titans are. I think the coaching has been pretty good. In fact, the coaching I, I think has been awfully good. Uh, with Mike Vrabel, I, I agree with you a little, to an extent on Arthur Smith. I, this is a guy who's still growing into the role. For sure. And and you do see that, but I think some of that was he's called a much better game with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback than he has Marcus Mariota, and I don't think that's a coincidence at this point, mm-hmm. having watched Tannehill for two weeks. Um, so I, I this is a team that I think they've gotten fortunate the last couple of weeks. Um, they, they've stubbed their toe a few times, clearly. But I think four and four, if it's not about right, it's overachieving for what they have, in my opinion. Um, I think the coaching has been pretty good. I think if Freddie Kitchens can go, t- can be two and whatever in Cleveland, mm-hmm. then Mike Vrabel being four and four in Nashville should be. It was pretty good. And I think my reasons for optimism are not just the coaching, but it's a good locker room. It's 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 a good culture on that team and. If you've ever been around a bad one, you know it when you you know a good one when you see it. And this is a really good group to me. They hang together really well. I think that's why they've been able to kind of withstand some bad times. It's, it's it's honestly remarkable because you look around the league, you see Andy Dalton, uh, you know, chirping. You see Joe Flacco kind of pointing the finger. Yep. That you just don't see that with this Titans team. And I, you know, I, again, I think that was a big strength last year, just with sort of. How how much of a roller coaster week to week the schedule was for them as far as what they did. Uh, there was just sort of this even keeledness that uh, guided them through the year, never got too high or too low. And I think that's that's present again this year. And that really, I agree. I think that's a good point. That you know, is and it, I think that is a reflection of the coaching to an extent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there is a mass dissension on the team, and there I hasn't agree. been this whole time. I think that's an extension of, of Mike Vrabel's personality and and just what he brings to the table in that regard. I think their approach is. They have, I think this is a limited team for reasons we've discussed, just in terms of personnel. And I think they they attack each 
game with the approach they think is the best to help them actually win, which is to play to the defense, run game, play action, field position, the boring stuff, right? The boring approach that just isn't going to excite anybody. But you know what? It does work. They've won four games. And like I say, the Titans may not scare you if you're the other team, but they might beat you because there's a good chance they're going to make fewer mistakes than you do. Again, coaching to me. Um, that said, I think the personnel limitations are, are the big, also the biggest reason for pessimism to me. And I, that's why I, I do think the, the, there are reasons to applaud what they've done to an extent. But the last couple of weeks, I feel like they did get lucky. Those were losable games. Um, I, I feel like other teams are probably going to have a bit better book on Tannehill now after seeing him for a couple of weeks. I, I feel like this isn't the kind of team, like we've said, that can impose their will on another team, that they know every week they'll be able to do what they want to do. It's too dependent who they're playing. How are they playing? How's the game going? Did we fall behind? Did we get ahead? It's just too much of that. It's it's no faulting this team, but there are personnel limitations. Their strategy has reflected that. I think they know what it would take to try to win a game but they often don't have a say in whether or not a game really goes that way. What happens when – and so when that happens, you're unpredictable. And, and you don't know week to week what to expect, and that is absolutely the case to this team. You don't know play to play what to expect. Some of that's self-inflicted, fake field goals, mm-hmm. you, know, not with, you know, things like that. But that's my reason for pessimism. I, I think that team, that team can beat people. Because that because you you can they are good enough to take advantage of another team that has a bad day offensively it beats themselves it's happened before with the Patriots last year you, you see it right let and, them make the mistakes yeah right but you Again. can't rely on that week after week after week and if this is a playoff team it it's not going to be in the playoffs very long in my right. opinion I agree because once you get to that point the teams start making less mistakes and it, it's harder to catch not not every team is going to have Jameis Winston throwing. You know, interceptions, turning the ball over, you know, inside the red zone uh, to, to sort of give you a layup of a touchdown. Not that, not to take away from their execution inside the red zone, but um, they wouldn't have won that game without all those turnovers. For sure. I mean, it, and, and then the week before, there was a key fumble. And, and right. that's part of it. The Titans make their own luck to an extent there. Yeah. I mean, they confused Jameis Winston. They, they got the ball out from Melvin Gordon, but can't rely on that every week. It's going to catch up with them a little bit. We'll see. We will. All right. And uh, so I guess that does it for this edition of Talking Titans. Uh, we hope if you made it all the way through that, congratulations. We appreciate <laughs> you. And hope, you uh, hope you'll subscribe, if you haven't, to uh, thetennessean.com. Get all of Eric's coverage of the Titans every day. Remember to subscribe also to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, wherever it is you get your podcasts, and drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. That helps us out. For Eric Bacharach, I'm Gentry Estes, and we will uh, see you next time. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean.